outside the tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe. We are your fearless co-hosts, and we are excited to be here with an all-new episode. And I got to tell you, these guys are really, really cool entrepreneurs with a really fun business. And before we jump into what happened uh, inside the tank, take a second, Joe, and explain what we do with entrepreneurs, because we love fun, cool, nice entrepreneurs that have interesting businesses that are scaling rapidly. So tell everyone what you and I do in the day job of the business that we run together, Growth Tech. <clears throat> well, it doesn't, it hardly seems like uh, uh, work. It's It's one of the most amazing experiences because we put 10, I, I, you know, and it's when you say really cool, that sounds trite, but no, really nice, really cool entrepreneurs who have interesting businesses are rapidly scaling, typically anywhere from revenue positive, half a million, a million, all the way up to 10, 12, 15 million. We put them in groups of 10 and we professionally facilitate incredible conversations. So people come into these groups and they develop incredible bonds, friendships, and relationships with the other founders, co-owners, entrepreneurs in there. And they really create their own peer advisory board, their own board of directors. Yeah, and uh, you know what's really cool too is that because we're virtual, because we're all over the country, there's awesome opportunities for people to uh, meet people they can do business with, or they can help, or can help them. And uh, you know, a phrase that we use often is the power of community. And so, if joining an entrepreneurial community, having a small tribe, having a large national network would be helpful, check out growth10.com. Again, that's growth10.com. That's what Joe and I. I do and so our days are spent talking to entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs and really scaling this community so that entrepreneurs can get the answers they need the education they need the knowledge whatever that looks like and we love this stuff and so um, we are just so excited to do this podcast as well because we're meeting even more cool entrepreneurs that are doing fun stuff and you know these guys at bubbly blaster um, oh what a what a great business it's Bradley, it's Stason. They just came up with this idea. They launched it in January 2019. So a relatively new business. New business, and they yeah. never thought it would be a business. Exactly. And so they go into Shark Tank with this device that helps you better spray champagne. So a more efficient champagne spray that lasts longer, that uh, gives you more enjoyment. So 120000 for 20% is what they come in asking for. And Joe, what happened during the pitch? Well, they explained to the Sharks that they were manufacturing in, in Hong Kong and uh, they had done about 600000 in uh, sales since their launch, which opened a few eyes. Cuban and A-Rod jumped on this thing with uh, all four legs very, very quickly. And they cut a deal, 180,000 for 30%. So they got a couple of uh, sport-oriented sharks, but 
What an incredible little niche business. It, I mean, who would have thought? Back in the old days, we used to take a Corona ball and just shake it up and put our thumb over it. Now you have this very sophisticated bubbly blaster. So yeah, was, they're getting a hundred dollars for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe what? That? What a great idea. So they are uh, they are great guys. We're gonna uh, watch, listen, and figure out where they went after the appearance outside of the tank. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to this one. Uh, you guys are really going to enjoy it. It was a fun conversation. So let's go hear from the guys of Bubbly Blaster. We are here with the creators of Bubbly Blaster. I What a cool product. <laughs> Stacey <laughs> Bradley, welcome to the podcast. We're really looking forward to this conversation. Right on. So are we, man. All right. Thanks for right. having us. Of course. So start at the beginning. Give us the, the full story. Where did the idea for this product come from? Well, I came up with this idea a few years back. I was uh, at a celebration with some friends and, you know, have some of these big celebrations. You spray some champagne and uh, it's kind of kind of dawned on me and some other friends were like, man, this, this is a big mess. It's, it's the fun is over too soon. Uh, maybe a little, little interesting, uh, little product could be made here. So I whipped this, uh, little item up I, uh, with some home Depot parts. I welded some things together in my garage <laughs> and I, I, you know, I didn't think it'd be a business. I just thought it was something to do for fun. I love building things. And, um, after a while I, I came up with a 3d version of it and, uh, my buddies at uh, SpaceX helped me turn it into a, a 3d a printed product. And then I, I was kind of done with the project. I didn't really uh, pursue it any further. It's just like I brought it to parties and people loved it. And everyone's like, well, man, we, we want like a professional version of this. Why are you going to sell this thing? And I was like, no, I just like building stuff. <laughs> and then Brad came along. He's like, dude, we got to turn this into a business. People want this thing. And I was like, all right, buddy, let's do it. You and me. So and now here we are. Your, your Brad impression is really good, by the way. Yeah, it sounds just like me. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, uh, it hits you that, hey, this could be a product we could uh, monetize. And then what happens? You have, you, you have your prototype. You have a mechanical engineering background. So you actually, so you made the first prototype. You went to your buddies at SpaceX. They had 3D printers. Where did it go from there? How did you get the product manufactured? Well, from there, uh, you know, it's a big difference having a 3D printed item versus a manufactured product. So that was a big challenge for Brad and I going from the, the you know, 3D model, and then we had to change it over to a casting um, manufactured product with all sorts of different um, processes in there. Uh, Brad could tell you a little, little bit about, I mean, that took us many months. Yeah, yeah, it probably took us a good 12 to 14 months to go through kind of the, the ebb and flow of it. You know, we went through two different manufacturers and honestly working with manufacturers, especially in China, is kind of like the Wild Wild West. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. There's communication difficulties, time zone issues, and there's just many iterations of the product that took us a while to get. So we finally found someone we could work with and trust. It was through a, uh, a link of a close friend of Stason's and it worked out. So, but yeah, it's still... So frustrating, but that initial process was, it almost breaks you. But once we got it done and they were able to scale it up uh, and we were able, you know, able to launch, it, you know, things were much smoother. But it was a rough almost year and a half there with just kind of getting it dialed into like just how we wanted it, the paint colors, the finish, everything. So that was a very frustrating and challenging process for both of us. 
And this is the kind of stuff that if you're not an entrepreneur, if you haven't been through this, you don't realize everything that happens before you get to market that just about drives you nuts. Yeah, you know, Stacey's got you know, a great creative background, engineering, designing, you name it. You know, and I've come from an operations background in healthcare, but this was something new to me, manufacturing, customs, all that. You know, so we kind of had to learn that on the fly. So it was a learning curve for us as well. But, you know, luckily, you know, we, we did our due diligence ahead of time. But, yeah, it's definitely a challenging process as an entrepreneur uh, of how much time, effort, and capital it needs to go into that process. It's, you know, I think some, you know, a lot of people underestimate how much time and, uh, and money is needed to get to that point. Uh, where you have active inventory to sell. People just think of, oh, I'm gonna get this made somewhere and sell it. You know, that's that's to us one of the uh, toughest processes for you know getting something made outside the country. And it's just you know, Stacey did an amazing design of this product. It's a very unique design. It's very difficult to make from a man- manufacturer standpoint. So you know, some products I think are very easy to to quickly scale up and make, but this is was very unique. And I think it took them a little bit more time and effort to get it down. But finally, knock on wood, finally got it done. That's in the past. <laughs> well, and it's not like you had a product. You and Stacey and uh, Brad had a product to go knock off. There's nothing that turns a champagne bottle into a uh, champagne rifle. Uh, so it's not <laughs> like you knocked anyone off. You're really starting from scratch. It, exactly. That's and that's anything you make these days. Uh, as soon as you make something, somebody knocks it off. I think it may may have taken. I don't know, maybe four to six months before somebody tried to knock it off, you know, in one of the, the Chinese fa- or numerous Chinese factories. So we put a lot of work, you know, up front to kind of building the brand before we got to that point. So, uh, you know, we've obviously had to go through some safeguards now to, to mitigate those issues. But it's just frustrating as an entrepreneur. You spend all this time and un- unique intellectual property that you developed yourself and you know, time to get it patented and developed and then it's just too easy to steal things these days. So you got to, as an entrepreneur, you got to be prepared both from intellectual property protection standpoint. And just, you know, we, we have an external company that we hire that everyday scouts, you know, all the major platforms from Alibaba, AliExpress, eBay, Amazon to search out these counterfeiters. So it's just, it's a shame these days that you have your own idea and you have to spend more money to protect it versus, you know, the ease that somebody can take and, and steal it from a, just a rival manufacturer that can pump us out. So uh, it, the, the one saving grace for us, like I said, it's very difficult to make. So the knockoffs aren't anywhere to the level of, you know, from a visual acuity standpoint uh, and, and more importantly, from a actual, you know, functionality standpoint. So I wasn't too concerned. It, it does, it does make you upset a little bit, but I guess what they always say, if somebody's trying to knock it off, it means, it means you're doing something good. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a bit of a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, and Brad, I was going to ask if you guys had a professional firm you worked with, or if you just went out and kicked their asses. I, hey, <laughs> once once or twice, you know, I, I had to tell my eyes like, "Hey, I'm six foot five, two fifty. Don't make me fly to China." I was going to say, you, "You fly to China, you could you could really kick some ass." <laughs> Believe me, I, I probably said some stuff my mom would be disappointed in me in for a while. So, but uh, yeah, we we eventually got it done. Yeah, it was it was a bit you know like back and forth again. It's you know a lot of communication. What what they think we need and what we actually want are two different things. So that was a lot of the battle of getting that ironed out of, you know, what we want, what we expect. Uh, it's just a different, you know, they don't like contracts. You know, it's just, it's a weird ball game when you first get into it and you kind of have to adjust yourself to deal with it and kind of c- try to come to a healthy compromise where you get what you need and, you know, you're not, you're putting yourself at a liability there. So. I wonder how many good ideas over the years have never happened because people just get so frustrated with that process. You know, whether it's customs or the manufacturing yeah. or they run out of money or just whatever. Tap out. Yeah, yeah, just tap out. There's probably a lot of good stuff. Yeah, on. I think a lot of people, you know, are overwhelmed at the amount of, you know, just 
research on their part. You know, it's a lot of time to figure it out. So I think you know, a lot of people are trying to you know, do side hustles and maybe got a main job. So they realize like, hey, this is way too much for me to do on the side. And if you don't have the capital to hire somebody professional, it kind of puts you in a bind. Or, or on the, the latter end too of people that actually have ideas and start the process and somebody steals the idea immediately before they have any type of protection where it be a patent. Yeah. Um, and they get ripped off because it's so easy to, for them to spit some out. And until you have a you know patent, you know, whether it be U.S., you definitely have to have a Chinese patent to protect yourself there. So if you don't have that experience or knowledge, you, you put yourself uh, in a deficit out of the bat. So yeah, I, I'd agree. There's probably many people that had amazing ideas that could have uh, some mega loot that just disappeared quickly or never came to fruition. So you guys get the prototype back and then how did you start selling this thing? Was it ads? Was it Kickstarter? I'm curious how you really got this thing up and running. We at first did a small amount of Facebook and Instagram ads. I mean, I'm very small. So when we first launched in January, 2019, uh, we had worked, we did a pre-sale through, um, a company Touch, of modern. Touch, Touch of Modern. It was maybe two months before, you know, they, they probably had three to four million users at that point. It's kind of like a flash sale. So that got us quite a bit of visibility off the bat. And then we really relatively did minimal ad spend at first. I mean, I'm talking cheap. So yeah. for, us, it was more of, yeah, for us, it was more of an organic explosion, a little bit of viral organic explosion. So we, we launched, like I said, two, January, late 2019 or late January, 2019. And we, and again, we had a smaller order to, you know, we wanted to test and we already had a proof of concept. We wanted to test the market first. So we didn't go crazy with an in, initial inventory spin, but we sold out in three weeks in 52 countries. And we're like, Hey, we got a thing here. And, you know, uh, you know, obviously it's great to sell out at the same time. The product does have a long lead time. So we kind of went through that period of learning that lesson the hard way of, you know, we had to go back into a pre-order status and it's a very tough customer service struggle when people, you know, it's a hot item and people won't, and you've got to tell me, like, hey, it's gonna be three months. So we kind of learned some lessons up front of, uh, you know, it was, but you know, we we're we're playing, you know, trying to be risk averse at first. So yeah, it sold out great. It was a huge organic, uh, you know, growth there of you know once people started getting it, they were sharing it on the social media platform. So we didn't really have to spend a lot of advertising at first. You know, obviously that's changed at this. At first it was kind of like we got it out and it spread a little bit and it caught on quickly. And we were very lucky to you know sell out two or three times right at the first. Um, uh, right at the line. So it, uh, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a whirlwind, but it was exciting and we learned a lot and, you know, we, and we tried to apply those lessons learned going forward in the future that put ourselves in a better position. So. And then how did you end up on Shark Tank? <laughs> Stay oh, man. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Well, they, they approached us. One of their uh, producers approached us and said, Oh, we've seen your product. You guys seem like uh, a pretty uh, good, good personalities, but would you be interested to be on Shark Tank? And initially, I, I was talking Brad into it. I was like, come on, Brad, this could be fun. This, this is an adventure. And Brad's like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think we want to be like embarrassed on national TV. This could be no good for my like business persona. And I was like, come on, we got to do it. So I talked him into it. And then a couple months down the road, there's so much work and, and uh, you know, tricky things to go through, all this paperwork and all these things we got to figure out. And, and by that, a couple months later, I was like, man, maybe you were right. Maybe you shouldn't do it. And Brad, we, we flip-flopped. Brad's like, no way. We started this. we got to do this now. <laughs> so pushing through it all, man, it sure was a big payoff. But it's uh, it, it was a long process. But yeah. what, six, eight months of just Yeah, I mean, we started this hassles. process back in March of 2020. So it was a, a definitely our COVID project. But, you know, at that point, Stacey had never seen Shark Tank. And I'd seen all of the seasons. <laughs> so I know there was – you know, good, good episodes, bad episodes. Yeah. And you, if you don't have your things. So we, you know, he did talk me into it first. Cause I, I honestly had no 
intention to do it because that's my worst nightmare to make a fool up on TV. So, right. but you know, we had a, good, a great conversation with them and it kind of progressed and, you know, we got to the point of like, Hey, this could be a good thing for us. And, you know, that was our deal together was like, Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to you know put hundred percent effort into it. We're gonna do it the right way. We're going to prepare and, you know, f- you know, for, for everything. So we did put a lot of work into it. You know, we, we came in with, you know, reasonable valuation, you know, everything was in line. So, I, you know, we knew it could go either way. Obviously we all know when, uh, until you see that final edit, it could go both ways. But, you know, we put a lot of work into it to make sure we put ourselves in a good position where we came across as, you know, knowledgeable entrepreneurs. We had a good product. We had great numbers. We had a good valuation. We could back those things up from uh, the sales and other metrics. So we felt comfortable going in, but it was still just, it was a long process. Um, yeah. There's a lot of practice. And I'll tell you one thing I think really helped was uh, because of COVID, they had us quarantining. Uh, at the Venetian hotel. And we just, we had nine days. We had nothing else to do, just practice our pitch. So I think first other seasons in the past, people might not have been forced into it, but this season, everyone, all the contestants are forced into, you know, nine days of just working on nothing else pretty much. So I think that was helpful for us. Yeah. And you can definitely tell the the entrepreneurs that aren't aren't prepared are just don't go into it with the right mindset. So, you know, it, it sets you apart. You can tell even, even people we met are, have saw the show during our season. You can tell the ones that did their homework, research, and plan, and tell the others that were that, that did not. So um, I think we went to the right mindset of we're going into 100. Um, there's a potential great reward. There's potential downfall, but uh, I think with anything, if you're prepared, you put in you know, the time, the effort uh, into the project. Even if it's not your original goal, you'll get something out of it. We, so we learned a lot about the business, you know, because Stacey's more on the creative side and more on the business side. So both us intertwining learn more and actually picked up some things we could have changed so we did get some even if we wouldn't have had the deal in shark tank go through we learned a lot about the business we could tweak just by kind of diving into it more so i think you know it's it sharp something yeah. it sharpened your sword preparing for the pitch exactly. and, I, and i and you're right they loved your valuation mr wonderful <laughs> wonderful very rarely loves a valuation <laughs> Uh, we love that. You guys did a, by the way, you did a great job. It was humorous. It was great. You look very confident. Uh, wow, I thank you, you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I think you got the sharks. You won. Yeah, we did. You've been an A Rod. We we <laughs> tailored the pitch. Better? We tailored the yeah. pitch for them. So uh, that was our goal. Yeah. Anything you can share about working with them? Is that still in the works? Is it gone through? It's still, it's still in the works. That's what I tell people. It's a process. You know, before yeah. and after. You know, obviously there's. You know, it's, it's common knowledge, just due diligence, all those things. So it's going well. Like I said, it's, you know, you know, a lot of back and forth as with anything. So as you know, just like that, we took those nine months before we even got to, to filming, this is the kind of same process. So working through the, the P's and Q's of it, and hopefully we can be done soon and move forward. So, but yeah, it's so, exciting for us. Yeah. yeah. So, so what happens? Yeah. What happens when you guys air? What, what happens to sales? What happens to the business? How, how has life changed for you uh, those first couple of days? I will say it's, and, and I think one of the, uh, you know, some of the things we had, they, you know, they gave us some advice of if it did airs, enjoy the process. It only happens once. It is a once a lifetime thing, but when you're there watching it, you just can't enjoy it because you know, obviously, you know, at the time I, I was in a quarantine, so I, I couldn't be around others watching. So I'm by myself watching it in your stations with this, this group watching it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whirlwind of, you know, the, you know, 72 hours mm. and I said the 10 days where it just goes kind of nuts from a sales standpoint, from you getting, you know, hit up by all your friends, family, high school, college, you name it, uh, ran 
and a vendor's trying to get up. So it was a, it was definitely extreme there for about 10 days of like overwhelming. It was, it's hard to enjoy, but at the same time, I wasn't complaining. But yeah, sales are great. It definitely spikes. You get a, a large amount of traffic that's driven through the first 48 hours and it continues to, you know, again, you're just getting a lot of advertising up front. So it was definitely it sure, experience. <laughs> it sure was exciting. And one of the rewarding parts about this business is, you, you know, it's a tough times in the world right now with COVID and, and all these things. But one good thing about our product is it brings a smile to everybody's face. So we wake up every day to new videos from around the world of people being excited with the with this product. So we're bringing grins to people everywhere. And, that, and uh, it's even more intense during those, those 10 days after Shark Tank. We're just getting so much uh, positive uh, um, videos and comments and and um, everybody loves the product. So we're, we're very proud of that. What do the next 12 months look like for the business? What are you guys focused on? Where are you spending your time and effort? I, I think, you know, something we had originally planned for 2020 was, you know, we're more to the direct consumer and we'd had a plan to really target another sales channel, which is more of nightclubs, bars, restaurants, hotels, things like that. So we'd had a channel kind of mapped out for 2020. Obviously, we had to pivot quickly and that was pretty much shut down. It's still relatively shut down, but that's something we're going to jump back in on quickly. Um, you know, I was going to um, look at a few new opportunities. We had some new vendors through Shark Tank that, that's, that's, that's come about. But, uh, yeah, we, we want to get back to, obviously, our bread and butter is direct consumer. So we're, we're producing a bunch of new content, kind of re, revamping our promo videos, things like that. But we're really going to dive into getting in that channel of uh, you know, the hospital. We had a lot of interest up front, but when we first launched, we just weren't prepared for it. We just Our bandwidth was zero at that point, and we had inventory trouble. So... Now we're in a much better position where we can attack that. And I think that's a huge, huge opportunity for us going forward. And obviously there's some few other things we're working on, some other tactics. Yeah, I think we've got um, some other other inventions in the pipeline we're very ah, excited about. We'll have can to you, tell what that. Can you we'll tease any of it? We're I don't we're not able to, we're in a secret mode right now, but we're, <laughs> we've got our patents and we're 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 ready to launch some new products. We'll we'll talk to you about those on the next uh, podcast. <laughs> Yeah, good. We'll, we'll do a follow up. So right yeah. now, you're yeah, double secret lockdown on future. <laughs> yeah, that's our goal is to be still entrepreneurs. So we've always had a couple things in, in the in the works, but COVID's you know was a benefit to us. Obviously, it was a difficult time, but really helped us allow to focus and buckle in. So we've got two new ventures that are going to be launching here probably uh, into Q2 this year. So we're excited about that. So we've uh, you know we did a lot of work at Shark Tank and Bubbly during that time frame, but also allowed us to really move forward and. Uh, quickly progress these other two ventures. So we're excited, you know, yeah, of segue Bub- off this, this, uh, this kind of, I think we view, we view bubbly as a bit of a pilot program. We, we started uh, working together on bubbly and we worked so well together. Brad and I are like, man, we're, we got to do this on many products. So we're, that, that was just the start. That's the start to the, to the, uh, all these new ventures that we've got coming up. We'll, we'll look forward to telling you about them sometime in the near future. Yeah, because you, know, you guys, you guys have a great business partnership. I, I can't tell you how jealous I am. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we're stoked. <laughs> I can't. We we sit around and we we actually argue all day. <laughs> we, we bicker like two we, sisters. We, it's never come to fisticuffs, but it's close. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're, you're lucky it has it. Yeah, we're, you know, y'all. tell us tell us about the 3D printing process because I'm sure that we we may have talked to other folks that have done it, but we really haven't asked anyone about it how does the 3d printing process work how long does it produce take to produce something i'm just really curious about that uh yes um so <clears throat> with the help of my buddies at spacex 
uh, there's like a, an offsite um, 3D printing company that we use. Uh, incredible dudes uh, called Mimo Technologies. And they uh, really, really helped us out. They, they love the product. So they helped us, um, uh, you know, develop the, the right way to, to make this additive product. You have to have it positioned properly and, and have the, you know, aluminum drop in with the, in the right angle and all this stuff so that the, the pathways don't close up. There's a lot of like uh, tricky things you have to figure out when you're doing some 3D printing. But once you get that down, you can consistently knock them out. The, the prototypes are very expensive to do this way, but this is like the path that I, that I chose initially because I didn't think I was going to do any big, really large runs. But then when we decided that it was going to be a, you know, viable product, we had to go, we had to switch it over. But, but, to, you know, the rapid to rapidly create some prototypes that that additive process really is fantastic. In, in one of their machines, we could do, uh, I think 12 bubbly blasters in one go. And then, then you have to, you know, take them out of there and, and machine all sorts of, you know, like the threaded parts and, and then add the, 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 little accessory pieces like the trigger and the plunger and all those little pins and everything. But for the main body item, just this aluminum additive machine is, is really remarkable in a matter of hours. It plops these things out perfectly. This It's really a incredible technology. They were asking you a little bit about getting your cost down. Is that just come with volume or is that something that you're actively trying to figure out other ways? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's more volume, to be honest with you. Like, so we, we start, yeah, it's more volume. We started out, you know, obviously lower flats, uh, uh, lats, and then worked our way up. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's purely volume thing. But, you know, it does, it's harder to get lower than what it is now. You know, you can obviously move a few points down, but just the difficulty of, you know, it takes, we have three different manufacturing facilities that, that do the casting, the painting, and the assembly. So it's a process, just the way it's made. So uh, we could drive it down some volume, but that's, you know, not not too much you can do past that point. So I feel like we got a good price in general right now, but uh, you know, hopefully we can get it down a few more percentage points from what it's right now with, with some increased volume. So it's been a relatively short journey for you guys, but certainly a lot has happened. Um, over the last few years of you building this business and scaling it and being on Shark Tank, uh, what are some of the things that you guys have learned that would be helpful for the entrepreneurs listening to this? What I tell everyone is when you budget out to create <laughs> create a venture, make sure you think about everything. You obviously people want to think about the product cost. I mean, the, the sales price and the cost of goods and they map out that product gross profit margin and they get stuck on that. And there's so much more that goes into operating a business from your know, other cost of sales or services and all your operating expenses that you just don't think about. So you really need to do your due diligence as far as, and that's where people get stuck. They have only so much money to say, hey, I've got 10 grand or 20 grand for families and friends. And they run through it well before they even get to the point where they're able to develop the product. So I think really, you know, you know, for any product, you've got to have marketing spend. I think it's where a lot of people make a mistake is they don't allocate enough capital to marketing. And again, if you could have the best product, you have the best restaurant bar, and if people don't know how to get there, or don't know anything about the product, uh, you're never going to sell it. So I think, and, you know, now with everything mainly being online, it's a much more competitive space. And depending on your, your specific product, you know, that cost per click can be high. So I think, just being aware of the costs that you need to actually get up and running first uh, is a big piece of puzzle people just take for granted. They just, you know, they always hear from their friends that have businesses, these four or five things that they target, but there's so much more goes into it. Um, when you're first starting up that you just did add up very quickly, you know, it's a hundred dollars here, 
five hundred dollars here, two grand here, just things you never thought of. And I think people just need to do that really as far as the diligence of mapping those out first to make sure they have enough capital to cover that startup so they don't get in a bind because that's the worst thing is to have that momentum and then then have to stop midway in, in that and restart later on. So absolutely. And on top of that, my my main advice to people uh, uh, starting off on a new venture would be number one thing in my book is who you're starting off the venture with, man, I, I tell you, we lucked out. We work so well together, Brad and I, our skill sets complement each other perfectly. Brad uh, does all these things that I'm not capable of doing. I do all these things he's not capable of doing. And we just work together so well. I think the person or the people that you set off to uh, embark on your venture with, that is, I'd say, the number one operation. If I, if I had any anyone else I was working with, this bubbly blaster would not come to life. I'm, I'm thankful every day. Uh, CEO Brad over here is kicking ass. We're, we're doing it together. It's fantastic. We, we call him the jefe. <laughs> well, but it's also, uh, Stacey and, and Brad, I'm also hearing in a way of a confirmation, I'm hearing that you're together and separately, you're intentionally becoming better and better entrepreneurs as this venture rolls along. Is that exactly. correct? In a yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a great synergy there. Like that's kind of what I think I'm saying, what Stacey's saying is like who you work with, you know, you got to be able to get along. Like you guys are saying, if you don't have their own partner, there's going to be a lot of bickering. We have percent trust. Like I have no doubt in my mind of, you know, I needed Stacey to do something. He's doing it and vice versa. There's things that he does that blow my mind. And, you know, not only is not only is he helping me be more creative and think about things outside the box, I think I've also kind of shared some knowledge on the business side. So we're, we're, we're growing Absolutely. together, we're growing separately at the time. So that was our, that was the biggest concern with anyone. If you're working with a friend in business is like obviously disagreements and things like that. So we relatively are on the same page about a lot of things. And if, you know, if I say thing when, when you're one way, he's like, trust you. And the same way, if he's like, Hey, I think we should do this. I'm like, all right, let's just go for it. So, there's a lot of trust there between us that we've developed over the years, obviously through friends, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're in business. And I think we've got a great business trust right now and we've just continued to grow better together and our, our individual skill sets continue to grow stronger and expand as well. Oh, yeah. Again, Tom and I are very jealous because we actually hate each other. So <laughs> kudos to you. I don't believe that. You guys, it was like a good team. <laughs> hey, where, where can people uh, buy the Bubbly Blaster? And then how can they follow you on social media? So you can buy it directly from our website, which is www.bubblyblaster.com. We also have our products on Amazon as well. So that's the two platforms. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Both of our, our Facebook and Instagram handles are at Bubbly Blaster. Uh, that'll keep you in, in tune to all the new advancements coming up, sales discounts, promos, uh, new opportunities. We're, we're going to launch soon new affiliate, a revamped affiliate programs. So that's coming a little bit later in the summer. So, uh, you know, that's the best way to keep in touch. Blast on! Instagram. How how close how close can I get to Joe that would sting him and do a little harm, but wouldn't take out his eye? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it's a throttling trigger, so you can pull it very, uh, you know, very carefully, and you can do it right up close. Or if you really want to give them a good one, you go full throttle. And <laughs> even if even if you're ten feet away with the full throttle, you could if it's a good pressure bottle, you you could do some damage. So you got to watch out. You got to be careful. You got to practice your aim first. <laughs> Joe's, got a, a, Joe's got a beautiful backyard with a uh, a big pool. I think I'm going to hop the fence one day and just take him out on like a Saturday there afternoon. <laughs> Beauty. I, the sneak attack. I, I want to tell you guys, and I also want to tell our audience that if you're 
ghetto like me back in the day, <laughs> it wasn't bubbly blaster. So we had to take a Corona, open a Corona, take two sips, put our thumb over the top, shake it up. And we used to call it the Corona gun. And we used to get on the dance floor, the Corona dance and spray everyone. Now, listeners, you know, <laughs> hear this. Hear ye, hear ye. You no longer have to go ghetto with a Corona bottle. Bubbly Blaster is here. You have an elegant solution to this problem. Listen to your Uncle Joe. <laughs> All right. Thanks, dude. All right. Thanks, thanks for joining us, guys. This is a blast. No, oh, as well. Thank you thanks so much for, for having, having us. us. Post game. Yeah, that was a fun conversation, huh? It was. Great These guys. guys great. Love Brad and Stacey Hall. Um, interesting stuff. We do the post game. Uh, we collect some notes. We try to feed back to you what we heard, what resonated with us. We often steal the stuff, try to apply it to our own business, our own growth head business model. But I've got about three or four takeaways here. Let's hear them. All right. So first and foremost, it was interesting to think about this. I don't often think about it, but <clears throat> it happens in a business. They uh, create it. You create a physical product or a piece of content. They get ripped off. They have to work hard to protect their intellectual property. They actually have to look on Amazon often to see who's ripping them off. And I mean, that's uh, it, could, I, it could almost be a full-time job if you have a great product, but we don't often think about that, but they're very, very aware of it. They're very diligent in sending out those cease and desist when someone takes a product and tries to imitate them on Amazon, which apparently is easier than I knew it was to do that. Well, and everyone thinks, oh, running a business is so easy. Oh, you're charging you know X amount for this and it only costs you Y to make it. You guys must be getting rich and you forget about, oh, uh, overhead, employees, buildings, uh, you know, all these factors. And one of the things that, you know, so many of the businesses um, that we've talked to that were on Shark Tank, it's a whole nother thing that I've never had to deal with in my career and you probably haven't either, finding ripoffs on Amazon and then having to hire a legal team on retainer to chase these, you know, what's down. But if you don't do it, you don't have a business in some cases. Oh, you have to. It's just the cost of doing business is we got to carve out, you know, a dollar a unit or something just to fight ripoffs. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Bubbly Blaster brand, hard to say, the Bubbly Blaster brand is very, very important to them. We talk to entrepreneurs all the time that say, oh, well, my brand isn't that important. My product will sell itself. It's not important that I update my logo. Oh, my collateral's okay. Ah, oh, my website's okay. That really doesn't sell our product. And the problem with that is people are very superficial. Uh, people do judge you. Uh, it's like that book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. People look at your class. And Joe, if you're not watching the video on our YouTube channel, Joe just keeps blinking when he says blink. <laughs> He's aggressively blinking as he saying blink. Actually, I have something in my eye. Do you really? <laughs> no, no, I was blinking. But uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book talks about, you know, the, the classic thing. You look at something, someone could look, a, a, an art critic who's an expert could look at a piece of art and from a distance and know it's a fake because they're that good. But people are superficial. People look at your website. They look at your collateral. They look at your branding. They look at your business card. If you still carry a business card, they look at your logo. Hey, you finally stopped bugging me about uh, getting us business cards. <laughs> oh, I just we, ordered them. No, you didn't. <laughs> We, so, so Joe and I, we've been in business together for, what, four years now? Yeah. At, at least. Feels longer. Yeah, it feels like 10 years. Yeah. 
So, you know, business cards. I, Joe, I don't want business cards, but okay. So we did that. Then when we rebranded, you know, and now we're, we're completely virtual, <laughs> I realized you stopped, You finally stopped bugging me about business cards. I'll tell you where I use business cards when I send out a book to someone because, yeah. you know, I'm a published author, four-time published author. Uh, By the way, I'm about to be a fifth-time published author, and you're about to be a third-time published author. Yeah. Entrepreneurial Landmines. Yeah, probably we're excited gonna, for that book. Probably going to be out by the time you see this. So, but and, and by I, the way, it, whenever it does come out, if you go to OutsideTheTank.com, you can get our book, Entrepreneurial Landmines, for free. So there's a pre-sign-up now, but once that's launched, it'll be live as well, and we'll send it to you if you... Uh, you know, give us your email address. We'll, we'll produce it for you. Um, but yeah, I read the book, enjoy it. You know, we did not write it to uh, be uh, best-selling, high-paid authors. We did it because we wanted to help entrepreneurs. And so many of the conversations we have with early-stage entrepreneurs are very, very similar. And it's the common mistakes that are made. So we basically, you know, our Growth 10 online education library, we put all of the aspects of running a business into 10 key areas. And we address the, the biggest mistakes that we see in each of those areas. So it's a pretty good wide ranging education of, you know, early stage mistakes, um, things to avoid. And then obviously out of that are action items and best practices that you can do. So we're really proud of that book, uh, really excited for how it turned out. And again, we want you to read it. Please do. Don't buy it on Amazon. Go to our website and get it for free. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I thought about the other day, I did one of our last read-throughs on it. And I typically don't say this, but wow, that's a great, I was reading it as if I didn't write it. Yeah. I went, wow, it's a great book. But I use the business cards when I send the physical books to people. I use a business card as like a bookmark. No. So that's that's why I would use business cards. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get more business cards. <laughs> we'll use them as bookmarks. So the last thing, so they really, just to wrap up and summarize that point, they really pay attention to branding, which I think is more important now than it ever was. Yeah. So that was my point. And then the other thing they talked about a little bit was budgeting. And with respect to budgeting, they think about everything. I think they, they don't waste money. And we see a lot of entrepreneurs... They either put their own capital into the business, they bootstrap, or they had some capital from their last successful uh, business that they throw in, um, or they have a capital raise, they're using other people's money, and they're kind of profligate with that money. And I think these guys are really, really smart. They really look at budgets, they really think about everything, they think about how to do things effectively, and I think it's so critical uh, for an early stage business, even a mature business. Yeah. And you could obviously tell there was a lot of, uh, you know, synergy and excitement amongst our conversation with Brad and Stacen. And it's because a lot of what they shared, we align with. It doesn't mean that the four of us are right or wrong or whatever. It just means that a lot of their philosophies, I thought, very much aligned with how we're scaling our Growth 10 business. Um, you know, we loved hearing them, you know, talk about how they're focused on being better entrepreneurs because one of the big things that Joe and I are constantly sharing, and we say this all the time, is just get better faster, like really fast. Get better faster. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means get better at everything. Learn quickly, uh, get better, gather information, test things, you know, 
why you know why would you move slowly as an entrepreneur when you can move rapidly, figure things out quicker, learn more? And and I think so much of what we're always working with our entrepreneurs on is just let's quickly figure this out. So what you think might take months, let's get it down to weeks. What you think will take weeks, let's get it down to days. So these guys are obsessed with getting better and being better entrepreneurs, which we absolutely love. Part of that is is being okay with failing quickly and tweaking and pivoting, picking yourself uh, picking yourself up off the ground. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be fearful of that. Yeah, I also love how you know they were. Um, I mean, they're just they're just trying really hard to build that brand to to try different things. Um, you know, they use Touch of Modern, which was a great way to get their product yeah. out there. I think that's a great lesson for entrepreneurs that have that type of product. And we've heard that from some of the other uh, entrepreneurs we've interviewed as well. And the last thing that you know I took from them, and it was again, it was so interesting because um, I, I, there were a lot of parallels between their business partnership and ours. And one of the things about them is they just complement each other well. You know, there was a clear division of labor on certain things. And well, you know, Brad focuses on this and Stacey focuses on this. And, you know, you and I, as much as we joke around, the reality is, is that we do complement each other really well. We each bring different skill sets, different perspectives to the table, and it works well. But you know, it's tough when your business partner is the same person as you because it's easy for there to be blind spots. And so I just really enjoyed their partnership and, and two things. Number one is they complement each other really well. And number two is it's really not enjoyable to do this stuff by yourself. And I can't imagine the days that you and I are spending right now if I didn't have someone to beat up on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, to hang out with and to have some laughs with and, and, you know, push each other. And, oh, you know, Tom's having a bad day, but, you know, Joe's joking around and it puts Tom in a good mood. And so I love the idea of having a great solid partner that you can go through this with and pick each other up and then ultimately complement each other so there's not these glaring uh, you know, weaknesses or blind spots in the business. So great guys, great partnership, awesome company. My guess is they're just getting started as entrepreneurs. There's gonna be a lot of other <laughs> crazy and fun ideas. So this was a fun episode. Absolutely, we, uh, we enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, I, you know, I, I look at them and I look at us and I say, you know, opposites do attract. <laughs> well, we uh, enjoy uh, doing this. We hope you're enjoying listening to these great entrepreneurs. We hope that uh, you enjoy the way we are asking them questions and the things that we're trying to get out of them because ultimately we want the entrepreneurs listening to this to get ideas, get inspiration, uh, take away some, some really good action items they can put into their business. Joe and I love helping entrepreneurs. Uh, this is what we do, and uh, we hope that those listening are benefiting from this, learning from this, and we will see you all next week on a brand new episode of Outside the Tank. Thanks, everybody.